Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast all about web development. I'm Brad Garropy. And I'm Richard Gatlieber. And this week, we're talking about job transitions. What I mean by that is when to start looking for a job, what that kind of looks like as a process, and what to do as you start to transition from your current position to a new one. So Brad, I know we talked in a previous episode about the technical interview process. And I want to kind of stay away from that in this episode. And let's talk more about the other stuff around it, right? So you're in a position and you've been there for a while. What are some of the signs that start putting up flags for you that you should start looking for a new opportunity? In my mind, I think there's a couple main reasons why you would start looking for a new job. And I think one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about, and I think passion is, is the key word here is if the work starts getting dull, right? Like, like you're not interested in it, or it feels like you're just kind of running on that hamster wheel over and over churning out small features or small updates. And, and maybe it just doesn't have your heart anymore where you're just feeling like this is a little humdrum. That's a good opportunity to start looking around for what other jobs are available. Yeah, I think that that's something that maybe is unique to fields like ours. Because thinking about, like, historically, you know, people in my life, like in my family, you know, who've had jobs, I know of, like, my grandfather uh, was a plant manager for General Motors. I'll tell you what, General Motors, car plants, there is not a ton of change there, right? They come up with a process. They figure out how to optimize that process. And then they, they make that process better and better and better. And that type of work is vastly different than what I think draws a lot of people into this field. And I think you hit right on it, right? It's that continual process of learning. And I think that in this field, that kind of differentiates people where when it's new and you're, you know, you're fresh out of college or you're fresh out of wherever just entering the field of software engineering, development, whatever you want to call it, working with computers, typing out code all day long, you're learning all the time and you have to continue to learn to progress. You can get to that point where like that becomes tiresome, right? Like I definitely know I've had coworkers who they'll transition to different roles within the company or they'll transition into like management to avoid that treadmill of learning. Right. And like, to me personally, I love it. Like that's part of what I really enjoy about this job is it, it doesn't ever really get stale. And if it does, then you can find a new opportunity where there's new stuff to learn. Whereas, you know, I, I and no shade to like accountants out there. Right. But like in my mind, if I was an accountant, once you kind of get really efficient at being an accountant, I feel like that you you've mastered your craft and there's not like, Oh, Hey, you know, there's, there's an entirely new math language to learn that just started becoming popular, that kind of stuff. And again, maybe this is just naivete on my part about the world of accounting. I don't know. I'm not an accountant. So disclaimers abound. You know, the other thing to consider though, is it's not necessarily just about learning or what technology you're working with. You could get tired of the specific vertical that you're in. You know, for instance, I work in e-commerce a lot and maybe I decide that e-commerce is played out for me and I'd rather go work in the financial tech space or the IOT space, right? 
that's what's cool about engineering is that you can apply the same technology and learning and expertise that you have across lots of different markets and verticals to keep things fresh all the while you are still learning, you know? So sometimes it's just good to shake things up in that sense. I think another reason why I would consider leaving a job is if I felt as though my career ladder had run out. There's a lot of different company structures and company ladders, and some are more friendly to advancing the way that you want to advance because there's lots of ways to advance and some are not. So for instance, something that I pay attention to a lot is if my only way to advance is to shift gears and go into management, I'm not into that. It's not something that I want to do for my career specifically. However, if a company offers like a very great technical ladder where you can go up to architect and CTO and do all sorts of things like that, that, that gets me revved up. I think that's pretty cool. So look for those types of things uh, in your job. And if you feel like it doesn't have the path forward for you, switching companies could give you that new path. And then definitely ask about that in your interviews. Personally, I've noticed when I make changes in my career, that if it is one of those changes where you're not taking a, like a sidestep, you're actually going up a level. It can be very intimidating at first, because as you mentioned, changing the domain that you're working in or changing just to a different company, right? Like even in the same space, you come in not knowing anything about like how the company works, exactly how everything is laid out within their tech stack, all this stuff. So like there's this massive, you know, hurdle in front of you to ramp up and understand everything and get to the level that you're supposed to be at. And, and normally, you know, there's, there's some grace given there to like account for that, but it can be intimidating too, you know, like you, so you, you managed to land this job, you know, you were a whatever junior developer, and now you're stepping into like a more senior role at a new company or even within your same company, but a different area, right. Depending on how large your company is and man, you have this giant task in front of you. When that happens, I think that's totally just normal, right? Like you, you feel like, oh, I should know, I should know what the heck I'm doing because I've made this progression up the career ladder and suddenly like you're back to novice status for a bit. Yep. And like, just kind of point out that that is, that is very normal uh, for that to happen. Yeah, we talked um, about that in the imposter syndrome episode where changing jobs or starting to interview is definitely something that can trigger that. And just know it is normal. You're going to have to go through that learning phase of work again for a while, and you'll get comfortable there soon. And if you have great teammates, I think that will make that process a whole lot easier. If you're a good culture fit for the company, if they're friendly to engineers, again, things to look out for during the interview process. You mentioned that often the progression of a career in the technical space is like, cool, you're doing awesome. You're doing great work. Hey, how about management, Brad? What are your thoughts about management when it comes to engineering managers? You know, I think, and I think people may disagree with this, but if you ask me, engineering managers should not code. I'm going to put that hot take out there. And I don't know what, you know, what do you think about that? That is a hot take. I think <laughs> it depends on the overall setup, like the overall organization of, of the team and stuff like that. The reason I say that is because often it is very good to have somebody to go to when there is a tough technical problem, right? Unless you are that like top of the top, you know, CTO or whatever, 
it's often very helpful to be able to get technical input from someone in the chain above you or a peer, right? Like I'll, I'll say that. So if that's available, then I a hundred percent agree. It's awesome when managers are just dedicated to ensuring that the people on their team have the ability to get the work done that they need to get done. And they are basically there to support and like keep those people productive and happy, right? Happy cows make better cheese. Um, man, I want to like make better code. I want to like really, really take a minute and focus on that point that you just said, because I think it's so critical. I think you summed up the role of an engineering manager very, very well. Uh, the job of an engineering manager is to ensure that their employees have the, the tools and the support that they need to get their work done. I think it's a manager's job to help people stay productive and happy at the end of the day. And you're right. As far as technical problems go, I think managers should be technical for sure. You know, understand the landscape of the, the business and industry they're working in. What I meant by manager shouldn't code is that I don't think a manager should be contributing to the code base because it's taking away from the away from their primary objective of lifting their people up. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, if I could, you know, whatever, engineer the perfect manager, they would understand the business space extremely well mm -hmm. and be familiar with the technology, but not necessarily even to the point where, you know, if you're having a problem, they can like sit down with you and help you debug a problem. I don't even mean that. I just mean like, aware of the limitations of the code base and the space that you're actually doing your work in, but being a master of the actual business domain can be extremely helpful too, because then they can give input on how to approach problems, mm -hmm. not necessarily from a technical standpoint, right? But like from an overall, like what is the right way to think about and look at this problem kind of way. I think and another manager duty is. It also comes down to staffing. Like I have these people on my team and the company has this set of people and a good manager will know the expertise of each person and they will put these puzzle pieces together and shift them around to achieve the end goal of delivering this product or feature or whatnot. And I think really good managers are creative and collaborative with other managers and other teams to help kind of cross pollinate and get work done in that kind of way. Yeah. I think it's a lot about resource management more than keeping your thumb on the pulse of every single person and what they're doing all the time. Right. Like, I don't know, think yeah, about playing a game like, management. yeah, think about a game like Starcraft, right? Like being the manager there means that like you, you tell the drone to go do something and then you know, it's going to do that. So you don't worry about it. Right. Unless like something happens and it's like, Hey, I'm being attacked. And then you go and help it. You know, it's, it's, it's like that in my mind, you know, you kind of, I, I personally prefer the Picardian managers who just say, you know, make it so, and <laughs> trust you to get it done. That is, is kind of the style that I like. I know different people like different styles too, right? Like some of the managers that in, in my experience have really like butted heads with me are the ones who are constantly asking for like status updates and stuff like that. But I've had coworkers who love that, man. They give like, they, they at the end of the day. They love the fact that they can just, they know that their manager enjoys it when they type them a little email. Here's what I did today. I did X, Y, and Z and send that off. And you know, that makes their life easy because they get to look at their day, do a little reflection. Their manager knows exactly what's going on. The manager's super happy. They're super happy. Personally, 
it's not my style. And, and I think that is something too, like we oftentimes like to say, you know, somebody is a bad manager. And while I think that is possible for there to be a bad manager, I think oftentimes it is that the style of that manager and the style of me as an employee just don't mesh, right? It's like teachers. If you think back to school, you're going to have teachers who you're like, man, this teacher was fantastic. You know, they were the best teacher I ever had. But then like the kid two, two seats over might be like, man, this is the worst teacher in the world. I can't stand them. And I don't remember anything from their class. And that's just a difference in style, right? So that's something to kind of keep in mind that while I definitely have managers who I'd put on the list of bad managers, I don't know that they really were, right? Is they were a bad manager for me. Right, right. You're, you're wise enough to realize that uh, a difference of opinion or a difference of working style with your manager doesn't mean that anybody is objectively bad. But what that does mean is that it has an effect on your career progression and your success and performance in that manager's eyes. And I think that's the key point. So yeah, maybe we should rephrase that. It's not necessarily bad manager, but when you don't see eye to eye, it reflects on your performance. And that's why a mismatch of manager can drive you out of a role because you're saying, I can't be successful in their eyes. Right. And having that mismatch just kind of prevents you from optimal growth, right? In your career, in your abilities, stuff like that. So honestly, Brad, have you ever thought about being a manager? I've, I've have, uh, people always say like, you might be a really good manager because you seem pretty personable and, and things like that. That's how you know your tech skills are starting to get tapped out, Brad. They're Apparently. like, it's, it's time to put Brad out to pasture. <laughs> Let's sign him up for management classes. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, um, I would wind up losing patience with people. Uh, I think I know my limitations, you know, and and if if how frustrated my kids can get me is any uh, indication, I may not be the best manager. <laughs> yeah, I've been mulling over this this topic for, for a bit now. And I've actually been talking to my manager about it at work, you know, about kind of starting that, that career path, because I think I oftentimes end up finding myself doing stuff within teams that is manager like, right? Like working with the team to like optimize our process for like taking in tasks and actually setting up a process for tasks and, you know, working on like getting different stuff documented and that kind of thing, like kind of setting up like playbooks and stuff like this. Yeah, And so I think that I would enjoy that a lot. It feels to me like one of those decisions where you make, you make a choice in your career tree and there's no like takesy backsies. I know there definitely mm. is right. But it, it feels like it, the backtracking would be really hard. I'm actually, I'm reading a book with my son right now called Fable Haven. And it's like this fantasy thing with kids and like this, like a uh, mystical creature preserve. And they're in this like tower. It's kind of like Indiana Jones and there's traps going forward. But if you try to go backwards, the traps get worse, you know? And I feel like that's what it would be like if I, if I made this transition to being a manager, it's like going forward, it's going to be hard and there'll be a lot of learning because it's a whole new skill set. But if I want to backtrack and go back, that's going to be even harder because like your skills start to atrophy if you're not using them. Yeah, And although talking through this, maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion because like I did take a year off being technical to be a teacher and it all came back just fine. Right. And like teaching is not at all like coding is <laughs> completely different. Yeah. And I mean, 
you're just reminding me of like, if anybody is interested in becoming an engineering manager and wanting to think more about it, we have that episode with Todd where he talked about his transition from developer to engineering manager. And for yeah. him, his career ladder was taking him that direction. He, he knows he wanted to be more of like the CEO of a company one day. And so to do that, you go the management route. You try to get to VP and director and, and on and on up that chain. Okay, so let's say for one of these reasons, right? You make this decision, this specific company is not for me. What do you do? What would be your next step? The first thing I do is ask, is it really that this company is not for me or this position is not for me? And mm -hmm. I think that depends on a couple of factors, right? Like if you work at a very large company, odds are you can find a position within that company that feels like you're working at a completely different company, except for the fact that like, you know, you don't have to go through like benefits and onboarding and all that stuff again, like, and you get to keep your same laptop. So maybe you do want to change if you've had your laptop for a long time, but who knows? So I think that's my first question, right? Like, is it, is it the company Yeah. or is it just my position currently? Am I looking for a new role or is it like full stop? We're going somewhere else. Yeah. It, great, great concern there. Like for sure. I, I would suggest always changing internally first, if possible, if that's not, you know, the thing that's keeping you or the thing that's making you unhappy. Totally. Yeah. So if the answer is new company altogether, the first thing I do is I start to kind of compile a list of, I kind of have this going all the time in the back of my head, but I put it down in like a notion template or something companies that I think I would really enjoy working at the company. I personally put a lot of value on missions of companies. And given that, you know, that kind of influences my choices. So I guess that kind of narrows the field down when it comes to looking at companies, but I don't make that be like the only factor when looking for a new position, right? So I, I just kind of start to compile a list of those companies that was like, you know, the, the grail companies to work for, if you will. And then I definitely don't interview with them to begin with, because as we mentioned in our technical interview things, like it's a skill that you don't use day to day. So no offense to companies that get this side of me when I decide to change jobs, but I interview with some companies that I call like throwaway interviews, right? Where it's <laughs> like, I don't care if I bomb this interview because I know I'm going to, because I haven't interviewed in a while. And it, it's basically like the knock the rust off interviews. And so those like, you know, that's where when you have all those recruiters reaching out to you on LinkedIn, you're like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. You're annoying. And like, what is this company? And I have some top secret client I'm trying to recruit for, you know, like, and they won't tell you the name of it. Like maybe respond to a couple of those just to like knock the rust off. And then you can be like, okay, thanks. Thanks for helping me, uh, you know, get back in shape a little bit. Off I go to a real interview now. That's kind of my first step. After that though, you know, yeah. If those grail companies, they don't have any openings, I start looking at job boards, right? Like there's the, the, the normal LinkedIn, Indeed, Glassdoor. Also like Hacker News has like a monthly who's hiring. Oh, that's awesome. Post that gets posted every month. People post on there. A lot of times they're opening at smaller companies. If that's your jam, I think too, that that's something to kind of think about is what kind of company you want to work for from a size perspective. Yeah, right? I've noticed myself just gravitating towards smaller companies in general. Uh, my position at Adobe when I started was this very small team that is was brand new and it felt like a startup, but inside of like a bigger company. Uh, and that was awesome. But everybody that I've been talking to lately, 
as I'm just kind of exploring opportunities and stuff have been like small, less than 300 people startups because that kind of thing gets me excited. And, you know, you really have to consider the things that are making you leave your current job when you're looking for it, that next one. So not only, hey, I think these new companies are awesome, but make sure it solves the issue that you're trying to kind of escape from. If it's a career ladder thing, make that a point to bring up in your interview. If it's a salary thing, bring that up in the interview. If it's a tech stack thing, talk about it. You want to make sure that that company is a right fit for you and not just look for the first thing that gives you an offer. You mentioned that a lot of the people that you're seeing posting about stuff are from smaller companies and that's what kind of, you know, gets your, your ears perk up a little bit and you're more curious about that. And I think too, that tech Twitter is honestly kind of biased towards small companies, especially right now, because there's, there's some big differences when it comes to company size, when you have like a very large company, right? You end up being for better or worse, just unless you're like at the top echelon of people within the company, you're just a cog in the huge machine, right? And so you do a part of the work of the company, but you're not like having this huge impact on the actual company. And I think that that gets reflected in places like Twitter, right? With people's excitement about their company. If you work at a really large company, you go to your job and you do the work and sometimes you have like a product launch or something where you can say, Hey, I was involved in that thing. Inevitably though, that product launch, like the team's going to be huge, right? Because you have like a legal team and a marketing team and a design team and engineering team and the, you know, testing team and all these teams. Whereas if you're working in a smaller company, then, you know, you're like, no, like I, I straight up made this whole thing and I did all the testing too. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Like this has been, you know, my blood, sweat and tears for the past like six months. So you have more ownership and more excitement about it. And so I think that that kind of is like a self-fulfilling prophecy that like smaller companies are more exciting and you can see that because people are more excited about smaller companies. Right. Yeah. And so like, good or bad, right. I, I, I'm not trying to say one way or the other. I'm just kind of pointing out differences there. I think too, at the larger companies, there's more ability to have more separation from your work because you aren't that critical piece for good or bad. Right. And I, we, we have on our list of topics here to like talk about work-life balance in a future episode. And so I don't want to like get into that too much, but I think that it is a lot harder at a small company to have a good work-life balance as compared to a large company unless the company is very intentional about it. Yeah, I hear you. And that's, that's a part of my personality that always resonates well with small companies. I, I just am somebody who has to be pushed, has to be driven, has to be chasing that next thing. And startups just jive for me. And I think, I think it will with certain types of personalities. There's plenty of risks involved in startups. And, um, that was something that I was, you know, definitely keeping in mind as I was speaking to, to startups, you're like, but if this fails kind of thing, you know, there's always that risk, but at least the work you're doing is very exciting. You can speak about it on Twitter. You can gain maybe some personal brand or some followers or increase your network. I think that's really cool. And yeah, any it's, of these, it's funny, like, it's funny you say that because startups 
So I am a very risk adverse person. And the fact that like, you know, I, I was in an interview, I ended up talking to the CEO of this company and he's like, yeah. And we have like nine months of runway of funding. And I was like, though, he's like, you know, they, they were, they were bringing in money. Like they were, they were cash flow positive, but they had like nine months of runway, like right then basically. And I was just like, I don't think I can do this. Oh, no way. You know, because like one of my, one of my coworkers, like we both were interviewing at this company and like both were like, he got a job offer, like brought me into interview, you know, and like I was basically there and I just told them, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, it had to back out. Like the company's still going strong. Like it, it's great for him, you know, like they're fully remote. Another one of our coworkers ended up working there. They both love it. They love the work they're doing. They're growing like technically and professionally. One of them ended up being a, like a tech lead slash manager of a team. And so it's great. And it would have been awesome to have been there. Honestly, like, like there was no problems with that company. It's just, I don't know. I, I have this like fear of that kind of thing where I'm just risk adverse. Granted, you know, working where I work in Texas at any point, my company can come to me right now and say, Hey, thanks for your hard work. At Goodbye. will employment. You at know? will employment. And, that's right. Yeah. And like, you know, so, so it's really not that different. It's just, it feels like, oh, you know, big company, more stable, small company, risky. Yeah. But, but again, this all just comes down to personal preference, right? Like, I think it's kind of interesting as a theme going through this, right? Like managers, their style comes down to your style, personal preference, type of job you're looking for comes down to personal preference. Like, it's just kind of interesting to, to kind of note that theme going through this. So I mentioned a few places, the, the places I mentioned to look for jobs, Normally where you're going to find like the larger corporations posting, right? Like the, the regular old LinkedIn, Indeed, Glassdoor. You mentioned that you're interested in smaller companies. Where do you look for those jobs? Yeah, I found this pretty cool website called builtin.com. And what that does is it, you pick a different tech hub. There's like Denver, Colorado, Chicago, Illinois, San Francisco, California, Austin, Texas. And when you click on that tech hub, there's a list of like all essentially the startups in that area and they'll they'll show you pictures of their office they'll link to their open jobs and things like that so it's a really good way to discover local startups and half the time all the jobs are remote anyways so that was just a really really cool resource that i found plus they also publish like really good blog posts about like the state of this startup or you know working for startups in general and I just thought it was a really good resource. But another place that I, I really like to look for, for work is anywhere social. So we were talking about how startups and their employees are very active on Twitter. I feel like it's easier to approach and speak to people at the company, to kind of get into that interviewing pipeline when you can speak to them one-on-one -on -one like that, instead of going through some giant HR department and submitting some application on some job board, it, you're too far removed. But if you can talk to an actual employee, to me, I feel a better connection and I, I wind up getting into the interview room quicker. Definitely having a contact at the company is super useful, right? That initial HR screening process is interesting to say the least. So on Twitter, I'll notice that people will post about these openings, right? And in my mind, you know, they're normally people who have like gigantic followings and I'm like, oh, cool. Like no point in even applying to that because 
you know, a bajillion D people just saw that. And I'm sure that they just got flooded with, you know, replies. Have you actually replied to any of those postings like that and gotten responses? What's that been like? Actually, I have, and I've always been impressed or surprised at the responses. Like for instance, um, Ryan Florence and Michael Jackson have that remix.run product that they're releasing. And it's, it's like this, I think it's a subscription to this platform that, that you can use to build apps. And they were looking for kind of like a developer advocate and Michael Jackson posted it and he's got tons of followers and I reached out to him. And next thing you know, I was, I was on a zoom call with him, just kind of talking about the company, where they're going, where they're at, what would be expected of the role. And, you know, a couple of days later, they were like, Hey, we put hiring on pause. Like we're changing things. Sorry. But like, how cool was that to like sit in a room with the founder of this thing who's well known across the internet for react training and react router and all sorts of stuff like that and just get get to talk to him at the end of the day you know it was a really great experience i would encourage people to to just do that because you'd be surprised at what results you can kind of get and i think that goes for the whole interview process like you're reading the requirements for a job and you're like man i don't fit every single one of those don't let that imposter syndrome kick in just submit and if it comes back and they want to talk to you, like that's a win. Take those risks for sure. Yeah. It reminds me of, you know, the advice you'd get when you were in high school and you had a crush and you know, your dad comes, he's like, well, the worst that can happen is they say no. And like, well, that's not true because high school is cruel and mean and they'll make <laughs> fun of you. You know, <laughs> when it comes to jobs, they're not going to make fun of you. And so like the worst they can say is probably nothing because then you're like, uh, did they get it? Should I send it again? I'm just waiting. But you know, if they say no, like, okay, cool. Like moving on. Right. Like, and that's something too, when it comes to looking for that next role, it takes a, a lot of applications now to get a response unless you know somebody. And this is where like the, the having a conversation beforehand with somebody who's at the company becomes invaluable because you know, job applications, like they're super easy to submit now. And that means that the people who are asking for applications are just going to get a flood of them. Right. So if you can find a way to get yours put on the top of the stack, that's awesome. And that's where like that personal connection comes in. You mentioned built in, and I thought of one other thing. One of my previous roles was at a uh, very large real estate company and it was in like building the application for that company, like their tech team, right? Their software development team. And it was just kind of interesting to work at a very large corporation like that, but in a department that was very small and felt very much like a startup. And it was really kind of cool because it was like that startup feel, but without the, you know, are, are we going to have a paycheck for next month question, right? Because like, you know, huge real estate firm, no doubt they're going to be there. No problems, no questions asked. Right. Like unless another, whatever, 2000 and was it eight happens again. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and even still they rode through that storm. So like, you know, that kind of thing is something to keep your eye out for is that sometimes non-technical companies have a small, like engineering department within them that functions like a startup, but gets the benefit of having, you know, the big old mother hen of the company to protect them from all the woes of normal startup life, yeah. which is really kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think it comes down to there's there's tech everywhere now. You just sometimes have to look under the covers to find it. Yeah. So that kind of sums up basically the process of deciding if you are in the market for looking for a new position. I think maybe in another episode, Brad, we should talk about the process of transitioning from one team to another, like leaving your current role and what that looks like and how to do that well. Because I think that's kind of one of those things that some people take time to do very well. And having had that happen to me, where like somebody left and they left me with this beautiful wrapped care package of like, here's how to do everything I was doing and everything I was working on, thanks. Versus like, peace out, good luck. It can make a huge difference. So I think maybe we should touch on that. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this about the process of deciding you want to look for a new role and starting that process? Yeah, I think my last two pieces of advice are really just, first and foremost, keep your resume up to date. You know, do that twice a year. Go on an interview once or twice a year. Uh, and then also just constantly reevaluate your happiness at any given time in your current position. If you write notes for that, you might see trends and you might realize it's time to go or it's time to stay. So thanks for tuning into Web Dev Weekly. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes below. See you next week.